At a thousand subscribers, I like dropped out and quit my job. Now I'm in the red at a thousand subscribers. There was a point last year where I was like, okay, I have all these channels doing good, stable. This could all just disappear. When he was just a teenager, Christian Villanueva dropped out of community college to do YouTube, even though he had just a thousand subscribers. It was a huge risk but it paid off. And now he's one of the top voices in the fashion community. His channel, Frugal Aesthetic, has over a million followers. And Christian now has also founded a fashion company because he's ready to move beyond YouTube. Today, Christian shares his story and his entrepreneurial journey. I'm Eric, co-founder of Carrot. We help creators with their finances. And join us today with Christian Villanueva. I'm here today with a special guest, you might know him as YouTuber Frugal Aesthetic, but I want to talk to you about the man behind the content. This is Christian. Not only has mm -hmm. he been doing YouTube since 2016. Wow. Community college. He decided, yo, I can't f with this. No. I'm going to do a different path in life. Became a creator. Mm -hmm. Not only is his content really f***ing good if you want to figure out how to look good, he's also a consummate businessman with <laughs> multiple <laughs> podcast shows. This man, he has set up his own manager he has a year's worth of ad inventory purchased right out the gate. He's got his wow. accountant hooked up. I don't know how he knows this. The creative and we, the business side. It's <laughs> almost like we were just talking about this before almost. the pod started. Wow. That would have been crazy if like I never told you about that and you introduced me as that. And then like I'm just like, how does he know? So the whole premise behind what we're doing today mm -hmm. is for the viewers to get to know a little bit more about your story beyond just what you do on your YouTube channel. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I feel like I really love talking about stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the podcasts that I get invited on are fashion podcasts. Yeah. And I love not talking about fashion on a fashion podcast. But now that you're asking me about myself... It would be funny if I started talking about that. <laughs> and it is being a fashion podcast. It would be funny. But um, so what do you want to know? Like, I think for what me, the very start is 2016, you're in community college. Mm -hmm. How did you end up there? And what's the inspiration to start going to YouTube? I ended up in community college because I didn't have a choice, you know, didn't qualify for, for, the, for the big universities. I also was just like trying to figure myself out. I feel like community college is like a safer, less... You have less stake in the game as opposed to I'm going to go to a four year and not like it. The first semester of community college, I did really good, surprisingly. The last thing I turned in, I like printed a paper and turned it in. I remember walking to my car in like walking to my car in the parking lot, finished all my classes. During that walk, I like made the mental decision of like, yeah, I can't. I, I'm not going to finish doing all of this for four years, you know, mm. after the first semester. And I feel like. That was kind of my sign to figure something out over the summer. You know, like I have all this time now to like go and like try things out or, or brainstorm and figure something out. That's not just I'm going to default to going to college because obviously that's not where yeah. my head was at. And I think there was a point where I remember watching. You remember JK News? Yeah, of course. I was watching an episode of JK News and I remember the episode too. It was the top 10 most paid YouTubers at the time hmm. and like they the episode went as the title like described but at the end they were like if you want to make money being a youtuber we're starting this course called jump cut with our friends kong and jesse from yeah, simple, the simple pickup. pickup crew yeah and i remember thinking like that's kind of a funny like that's a wild out there idea that i think would be really funny if i really goofy of me 
if I pursued, you know? And so then I remember just like clicking on it and kind of like wondering like what this was all about. And just the brief made it seem so doable. Funny enough, when you get into the game, you realize like, oh my God, like there's so much. Oh, it's actually really f***ing hard to be a successful creator. It's such a treadmill. Yeah. I think it was like at the time it was like 10 bucks a month or something like that. I watched like all the videos in like a day and um, it just all kind of came to life by in the moment I was like, Fashion is the only thing I feel like I can talk about forever. Wow. At the time, I was so into it because it was just such a big part of, like, my friend group in fashion. Or in, in, in high school, we, like, loved sharing, like, streetwear things. I worked at a retail store. Like, I worked at a Tommy Hilfiger. Mm. Um, so I was, like, you know, ringing clothes up all day. I cannot picture you, by the way, in Tommy Hilfiger clothes right now. <laughs> Dude, that was, like, that was, I loved wearing you know, like yacht club stuff. Yeah, like boat shoes. Oh my god, I love. So that. you were preppy. I was like, so all you about dressed it. like a white guy. Oh yeah, for sure. It was. I you can't explain it any other way. I was for sure dressed like. A and white this, guy. by the way, I know you told me before you grew up in Hawaii. Yeah, so this is a Hawaii Tommy Hilfiger show. Yeah, it was. It was an outlet, Tommy Hilfiger outlet. Yeah, and I was like cosplaying as a white guy in Hawaii. You know, that's a vibe. It was a good time. When I had to like figure out what kind of content I was going to make, it was it ended up being fashion. And I feel like everything kind of just wasn't planned. I didn't really plan what my content was going to look like or sound like, which is like against everything that you're learning in this jump cut thing anyways. Mm. So like everything I've done in life, it was the wrong way. I kind of just figured it out on the fly. And yeah, so if you go look at my content now, it's like evolved since then. But the first videos were just like a slideshow and me talking over it, making jokes because I didn't have a camera. I didn't like know how to speak to a camera. Mm. So I would like just write scripts and free ball it. And that's kind of how everything came about. I kind of love too that instead of continuing on with traditional education, mm -hmm. you dropped out betting it all on a YouTube course from the simple pickup crew. Dude, don't say it like that. <laughs> My, yeah. If you, when I look back at it, I would not make that decision. <laughs> like, if those cards were played now, I would not. What you're doing today, it's unusual in a good way. And mm. I think to end up in a place this is unusual in a good way, mm. you have to do things that are just unusual. Full stop. Before you like know everyone has to be a little crazy. Yeah. You got to make some irrational decisions you know? And when you were leading up to that point, it sounds like you said you walked out your last semester. You're like, I can't do this anymore. Like, what were you even studying? If you weren't mm. doing that YouTube path, if you hadn't gone quote unquote the wrong path, what would have been the conventionally right one you'd still be on today? So, um, I was in community college doing like liberal arts stuff, just like, uh, prerequisite classes. Cause it was my first semester, you know? Yeah. But I didn't have the long-term plan, which is the whole point of me wanting to figure it out over the summer because I never put that much thought into it. I was just mm. there to show up really. And to answer your question of like, what would I be doing if not for YouTube? I, in that, you know, that Kanye West speech where he's like at the, at the Grammys and they were like, everyone wanted to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. That's exactly the mindset I have about the, what would you be doing if not for YouTube? Yeah. I guess we'll never know, Eric. You mentioned in community college, you didn't have a great sense what the path was. No. What about in YouTube? Was it also like, hey, let me try this out and see what happens? Or was this like a, mm. oh, f like I'm going to succeed? It's the same mentality of 
I didn't really have a choice. It has to work out because I'm not doing anything else. I remember there was a point where I gained or I, I, I hit like a thousand subscribers, which in the grand scheme of things isn't really you're not making money doing that at a thousand subscribers. But the first zero to a thousand is pretty hard, like breaking the barrier from talking to a wall because you're when you're putting out content initially, right, you're not really talking to anybody. You're just throwing things out there. Hopefully this, this like someone will like this video. But when I got to a thousand, it felt real. It started to feel like, oh, people are watching, even though that's not that many people to make a career out of. At a thousand subscribers, I like dropped out and quit my job. Wow. <laughs> Which is like, again, if I look back at it, why did I do that? But like you were saying, you kind of have to to be like irrational. You have to make these weird decisions. So it reminds me, there's this expression, burning the boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Literally that. When Cortez came mm -hmm. to Burn Mexico the for the first time, mm -hmm. which led to many issues, but we'll leave that alone for yeah, now. Yeah, he, well, let's pretend like it was a joke. Yeah. You know? And whole thing where he turned and looked at all of his boats and he burned them and he mm -hmm. said, you're not getting back to where we came from. The only way to go forward is, is to start a new life We're going to do it. Yeah. So you quit your job. And what was your job at the time? At that Tommy Hilfiger. So this was still yeah, at the yeah. Tommy Hilfiger. So yeah. this is still in Hawaii. Bro, I burned the boats at a thousand subscribers. A thousand subscribers. You're making what, like 2K a I'm year? losing. I'm in the red at a thousand subscribers. Opportunity cost wise. <laughs> Spending all this time making videos and I'm getting like 100 views, 200 views a video. And when you're doing this, your friends, what do they think? I didn't tell anybody. So that was the thing. It was such a far out idea. Also, you, you're, you don't want your friends watching your content. That's embarrassing. And it was such a far out thing that I didn't even want to tell my friends because I wanted them to find me after I became successful. Like that was kind of like this mindset where it was like, it would be, it wasn't even on a, I'll show them. It was a, this would be so cool if they randomly found me, yeah. which started happening. That's how they, I didn't tell anyone that that's how it actually came about. I remember, um, even though I dropped out of college, mm -hmm. I would, I didn't tell my parents cause you can't do that. Asian parents. You cannot tell your parents. My dad was in the military for 25 years, like. Asian, like my mom graduated from the University of Manila with a bachelor's in chemistry. You know what I mean? Like high expectations for me, which I was not going to meet. So I can't tell them I'm dropping out of college. That's like, that's like household, you know what I mean? Like within the home, I'm not going to recover from that. So then I just didn't want to tell them because I was ashamed and I would go to school though to like work on videos to, to pretend like I'm in college. So like I would might give my mom like the schedule of classes that I would have taken if I was still in college. And in those time slots where I'm supposed to be in school, I would just go to the library in school and like work on videos so that it seemed like I was in school, you know? Wow. Just in case like she came home or something and I was there and it's like, aren't you supposed to be in class? Or like whatever it may be. In that time, like I would still see my friends, you know, because I'm in the library and stuff. And I remember one of my friends like came up to me. He had like a knack of like, why are you like always in the library? You're never in class. I'm like, oh, you know, because I'm just like doing the work and then going to the library. And I didn't really have a good excuse. And I remember there was a time where he like walked up to me and like started playing a video of mine and he goes is this you is this what you're working on in here all the time 
And that was a full circle moment for me. And that was yeah. at like 10,000 subscribers. He found your videos. Yeah, yeah. He and found- he's like, this is what this motherfucker's doing yeah, here in, in the, the library, library every day. So your friends also thought you were going to school. Yeah. Your friends and your family, as far as they know, you are in that library doing schoolwork. To this day, my parents think that I was in school still that that semester. I haven't told them that I was lying the whole time. Well, they have a really lovely surprise. You just oh, yeah. this. I told my mom after the first year, even though I only did one semester, I was like, after this semester, I'm going to take a gap semester to figure things out. And that's when I like moved out. I've talked to a lot of parents of YouTubers and Asian American parents is always the same thing. They mm. never really get it. No. And it's insane because you're killing it right yeah. now. You know what, though? A universal language I feel is money. So the first paycheck I got from like a brand deal I did with, I forgot the app name. It was like one of the first brand deals I did. Like it wasn't like a physical check, but you know, like the email, like the bank transfer stuff. Like I remember just showing my parents like a receipt of like a, a, a check that I, or like a payment I got. And that was when they were like, oh, so you, you can make a living out of this. And that's when they started like kind of getting off my case about like, what I was doing. Cause like they didn't know what I was doing. I just told them like, Oh, I'm like doing stuff for Google. Technically that's true. Mm-hmm. Like I did media for Google, which is technically not lying. That is the best way to describe yourself as I, YouTuber nation parents. I, I do media for Google. Oh my God. Any Asian person or anyone really that like doesn't want to explain this job to their parents. Just say you're doing media for Google because you're technically not lying. Christian's just giving you a whole new way to communicate and It's explain. not lying because you're telling the truth, you know? What was that first check? Do you remember? How much was it for? It was $3,000. Oh, enough that your parents are like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was $3,000, which was like, I don't know how many hours that is minimum wage, like, but that's like, you know. It's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours. I love how we're both Asian and we're just like... We can't do the nah, math here. Someone, someone do the math. I you can comment. Like well, that's like what, like fifteen hundred uh, hours. I or lied something? about going to college. That's so funny. But I, what also surprises me. So I totally get family. You can't yeah. let your family know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Your friends though, mm-hmm. like they don't get it. Well, or you're it was, just more afraid. I was afraid. I was shy because. How do you explain like, yo guys, I'm going to go do YouTube now. And oh. and I come from a friend group where we're going to bully each other. You You're going mean? to roast each other. Oh, dude, we to this day still hold like, we still make fun of each other in the same way. Like um, I'm going to my friend's bachelor party in Vegas on in September. And like we, so we created a group chat to like plan everything. And it's like high school again. Like the way we're talking and like, oh my God, I can't wait to do this. Like, and it's like the same memes over and over from like same inside jokes. It was very hostile, but like, you know, it was a a fun, like you can tell everyone like loves each other, but you will not hear the end of it about, about anything, you know? So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have it in me to share them the whole Mm. YouTube part. Cause I was, I was just scared of how they were going to like make fun of me but yeah so there was a part that i was scared it was also just like i feel like if i didn't talk about it and i let success do the talking it was a that to me seemed like the better way to go about kind it of feels like a big energy move. yeah yeah like, yeah it I'll was the youtube algorithm show you what i'm doing. yeah it was uh i'm gonna hold myself accountable and just like let the success do the talking instead of just telling them yeah. you know so your family Look, it's just something they're not going to quite understand. Your friends, it's, mm-hmm. hey, I want my success to do the talking. I know mm-hmm. they're going to roast me. Yeah. In this environment, 
I know you mentioned so much of what you did was, let me just try this and see what happens, combined with, okay, now I'm doing it, let me burn the boats. Yeah. You chose to take a creative entrepreneurial path mm-hmm. where I'm hearing that's not necessarily something that was present or dominant in how you grew up, your family, your friends. I'm kind of like, where did this come from? Like, did you know mm. when you were younger, hey, like, I am going to do my own thing? Or was it something that just, you're like, no, I just, I just can't do community college, guys. I think it was, I think it was a, a definitely more so the latter. But like, I remember we were talking earlier about luck yeah. being when opportunity meets preparation. I feel like the opportunity was the idea of YouTube coming into my life. Like, I feel like there's a lot of luck involved with even having the ideas come to you. Like with Carrot, right? You don't just like think of that when you're a child. Like, oh, I'm going to create a line of credit for creators. You know what Mm. I mean? These ideas come from the ether, wherever. Like that will just randomly pop into your head. That to me is the opportunity. And there's a lot of luck there too. But the preparation I felt was like, I feel like the preparation is, is... is a lease. Mm. Like you have to keep being prepared. You have to keep like doing these things to like, to let the opportunities, to make the opportunities happen. I'm kind of just rambling by, I'm kind of just rambling right now, but like what I mean for the YouTube thing is I never thought about like any of that happening, nor was I like anticipating that happening. That just landed. And I feel like I was prepared in a sense that I had this time where I was wanting to find something that wasn't college. And I also was super deep into fashion. And all of that kind of came together in that in that post-semester mm. time, you know? And so it all happened yeah. at the same time. I never thought about it as a kid, nor did I have any ambition of doing anything entrepreneurial. All the stars aligned that day. I kind of love that answer because when... I was going through my existential crisis on, hey, I don't want to work a corporate job. I want to do something of my own. Part of the imposter syndrome I felt was seeing these really successful founders and creators all be like, this is what I was put on earth to do this. No, dude, I, I, I hate that answer. Me too, because I was like, well, I don't know why the fuck I was put on this earth. And so I formed this story in my head. Oh, so you always thought you needed this. Yes, I thought I needed it because I'd wow. hear all these people. I distinctly remember I went to this meeting hosted by Y Combinator, this top mm-hmm. startup incubator mm-hmm. that Airbnb and DoorDash yeah. and Dropbox went through. That was a jump cut. Where oh, yeah, jump Com- cut went through that yeah. too. And actually, we've since gone through that as well. Yeah. I went to a meetup arranged by it, and they had this company here called Clever. And they produce mm-hmm. software that helps schools and teachers like teach more kids, software for schools, basically. I remember the founder there being like, ever since he was young, he knew he was put on this earth to help students and teachers. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I don't have that. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So how could I possibly do anything of my own? And I've since realized for so many people, our stories are more like what you just described. It's like this weird mix of environmental factors combined with things we're interested at the time, combined Mm -hmm. with the, look, at the end of the day, it took serious courage or conviction to drop out of community college mm-hmm. and sit at a wall and record YouTube videos all day. Like I understand, yes, you got very lucky, mm-hmm. but you still had to put in that time and work. And sometimes that develops into the clear mission or passion over yeah, time. I, I agree. I feel like no one gives luck enough credit. Everyone wants to be like this. I worked hard for this, you know, like I, I manifested this. I like did everything that I could to make this happen. But it's like, if you really think about all the things that have ha- 
that had to be in place for you to be successful. Like there's so much external, there's so many like external factors yeah. that you were never in control over. No matter how much you want to say the story was written from the start. Like these things happened by luck. I love that. We all want to be self-made mm. because we want to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. But the truth is there's so much we don't know what's going to happen. And I mm. think real meaning comes not from I had this plan from the start, but I was able to react when life threw yeah. something my way and I was able to make something out of it. I think reacting is a good. To that. your point, I consider myself extremely lucky mm. and pretty good at reacting to when yeah. those opportunities arise. True. You mentioned a lot of this when people say I've been meaning and since I was a kid to build this, it's a story. Mm. What do you feel like? So first, I love that point. Mm. Second, like, what do you feel like are stories about yourself that you've changed over time? Either you're like, you mm. know, this is a story I told me about me that I don't hold anymore mm. or that I've had to update. That's good. I've never been asked that. I feel like it's always the, what do you think of yourself now? I feel like it, it also changing the story that you tell of yourself is kind of hard the older you get. Because the older you get, you feel like you have a better understanding of yourself. And then when things change, you're like, oh, I guess I guess that wasn't right. But I think now, something that I think differently of myself now, or how I would change my story, I guess. I guess I, 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 I come across as someone that's very like, I don't care, you know, how things happen. Or like, I don't care what, what's going on. I feel like nowadays, I definitely care. But it's my approach to the caring part. It's like, I'm not a perfectionist, right? I'm not like a, it has to be exactly this way, but I am very passionate about things, which back then, like, of course, like being in college and dropping out and not knowing what I want to do. I always thought I was like, a, ah, whatever happens, I don't care. You know, I guess the story changed now is I do care, but I'm more like, I'm more like accepting of the process happening, unveiling itself as the idea progresses. Like for example, if, if something comes out the way I, I didn't expect, I'm more accepting of like, okay, this is, this is a, a, all part of the learning process. I'm not like super caught up in like the details and like, oh, it had to come out this way. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I guess I'm more just appreciative of the entire process. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it's beautiful because in my mind, when I care about something, traditionally I've associated that degree of care with the exact nature of output. Mm -hmm. Like I really care about this podcast we're doing together right yeah. now. And I care very much about the output, meaning sometimes I do these in the past, the audio wouldn't work, the microphone wouldn't yeah. work. I would myself for it. Exactly. What I'm hearing is no, no, I care, but I care about the process. Yeah. And almost once upon a time, because you've always cared more about process, and didn't care as much about the exact way this the, output came out. Exactly. You told yourself maybe, oh, I'm just a guy who doesn't care. It's like, no, you did care. It's just about a part, the journey that maybe conventional society fixates caring with the outcome. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you're completely right. Like, obviously there's a balance. You know, there has to be some sense of like, you got to make sure your vision doesn't stray so far. Mm. But um, for me, I feel like I've kind of identified my core values of what I care about when it comes to, for example, right, for a video, like you were talking about with the podcast, like sometimes the mic cuts out or the video cuts out or like, and you don't realize it or something or whatever. For videos, like sometimes like um, I'll 
I'll like try to, or like I'll try to style something, right? And it just doesn't look as good as I wanted it to look. Like in my head, it looked really good. Mm. But when I put it on, it just doesn't look as good. And when I finally see what it looks like, I can build on that as opposed to trying to reverse engineer what was in my head. It's moving past what it was and being like, okay, so this is what, this is what really happened. But I, and, and then like going from there, I think, I think you're right though. People associate care with like the end product as opposed to the process. And I think it can be the other way. I feel like you can be very passionate about the process and then the end product is, is the byproduct of what you were actually, actually in love with, which is like doing the thing. It reminds me, a friend once told me that style is being yourself intentionally. Mm. I kind of loved it because... That's a good point. Yeah, it supposes there is no perfect way to look. It's more just what you wanted to do as long as you're holding true to that. Yeah. You mentioned even while you were in community college Mm -hmm. and not sure what to do with your life, you were already very passionate about fashion. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a little, you said you were talking about his friends, like you were working at Tommy Hilfinger... Where did this passion initially come from? Because, look, I think having such a degree of commitment that, again, you drop out of school to go and make videos about this with literally no followers, and you're not even telling your parents and your friends, like, mm. that's an insane level of commitment to mm. the craft. Where, what was the start of this? Funny enough, I would say that there's a whole wave now of fashion creators like that are you know, just starting off making content on TikTok, YouTube, whatever. These guys know and care more about fashion now at their age. Like some of them are young. They're like in high school or like first year college or whatever. They know and care more about fashion than I did at that age infinitely. Like some of them know more and care about fashion than I do now with the platform that I have. So comparing what kind of like the interest level is now, back then when I started doing my channel, I can say that I guess fashion wasn't necessarily like, I wasn't super knowledgeable or very like deep into caring about it necessarily. But I think it was just a topic that I feel like I had a fun perspective on because it came across very like, you know, like highbrow kind of, what's the term? Um, What's the term of something like when you feel like you you don't you're not supposed to be there? Like imposter syndrome? Not imposter or syndrome. Like sanctimonious. No, I or... guess I think I'm directing the wrong way. But like a pretentious. There we yeah. go. Jesus Christ. So it's like it felt very pretentious, you know. And so my perspective was just very goofy. I had all these funny jokes and memes about it without actually having to like be a part of that world. I just had a good a good perspective on it. So it wasn't, I wasn't, I don't say, I wouldn't say I was necessarily passionate about fashion, but that was just the vessel. That was just the medium of yeah. which I could like communicate maybe fun com- comedic perspective. So I guess at the end of the day, the passion was creating and talking yeah. and fashion just so happened to be my medium. I love the description of you're bringing almost this comic lowbrow perspective into yeah. traditionally pretentious highbrow area. There's almost something very rebellious mm-hmm. or almost rude yeah. about, oh, oh sure. like this is something like Vogue holds high fashion shows mm-hmm. and like I'm going to make funny YouTube videos mm-hmm. with like memes. Exactly. So do you know my Instagram handle? Yeah, it's uh, Vance at the Met Gala. 
<laughs> so the ethos behind that is everything that I've been doing in my life. It's the phrase Vans at the Met Gala is, you know, it, it, you can take it literally. And it also means that where it's like, I do want to walk, go into the Met Gala wearing a pair of dirty Vans. I think it's just a fun statement. But also, if you think about it metaphorically, it really is just kind of like kind of be yourself where you're not supposed to be yourself. You'll shine brighter where you're not supposed to be, you know? That's kind of been the ethos of the ch of my channel, really. I also love because there's a spirit behind it of, hey, if you really want to wear what you want to wear, yeah, yeah. even if others might not approve, mm -hmm. you can. That's, yeah. And Which, in a way, you're redefining what fashion is. Mm -hmm. That's like, I, again, that could be what you take from the name where it's like wear what you want to wear, even though everyone else doesn't look like you. There's You're a, willing to trespass. Yeah. Trespass your individuality, you know? Mm. Wow. Yeah. And I also love not only the style because like there's almost like multiple layers here, mm -hmm. right? So like layer one, it's like, oh, here's a guy who's talking about fashion and maybe he's talking about styles that the traditional pretentious orthodoxy doesn't necessarily follow that's like level one level two. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's doing so through youtube yeah which, which is, is another really yeah 2016 unusual yeah. yeah number three he's doing it like with memes and he's funny mm -hmm. and like number four oh and he's doing so like he is a you know 18 year old 19 year old yeah. asian american guy in hawaii mm -hmm. it's yeah it's <laughs> who's so like so out of bounds, you know? Like kicking it with his friends, like in the library. And then number five, oh, and actually he's not even telling his friends and his parents. There's like no. so many in a weird way, like boundary violations of yeah. <laughs> traditionally who gets to talk about fashion and mm. dictate. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that meme, that scene from the Devil Wears Prada, right? Mm. Where the queen bee, whatever her name is, mm -hmm. right? She's like telling, oh, I decide what you random people wear. Yeah three years from now, it all yeah. trickles down. You're almost this very subversive yeah. way of being like, no, f*** you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about this too. Mm -hmm. It's. I feel like that perspective spoke to a lot of people because there are a lot of people that, you know, find fashion to be very cool and interesting. And at the end of the day, it's a big part of our lives, you know, whether we're conscious of it or not. I feel like on first impression of somebody... What they're wearing is top three things you notice. So it so happened to also work in my favor that we care about fashion, you know? And from that time that I started making content to now, like it's kind of exploded as a hobby. Like more and more people are getting into fashion, which kind of ended up working in terms of like getting a bigger audience. But if you're not... Um, very active in the hobby, like in discussion and like what's trending and like what's what everyone's like talking about and designers and all the technical parts of like fashion history and all that. Even if you're just like, I want to look good, it's easier to digest and take in information from someone that's yeah. presenting it at this low level fast food like pre presentation mm. as opposed to reading what's in vogue. You're not going to understand or like even like a men's magazine, you know, it's, it's more relatable that way. I feel like I capitalized on the relatability because there were a lot more people that liked fashion that were like me as opposed to like the Bella Hadids of the world and stuff, you know? Especially, like, I don't look like Bella Hadid. Mm. Especially yeah, in the States, like, like, fashion is very dominated by, well, like, hey, 
can I look like that? Are there people there who look like me? And fashion, we talked about it earlier. It's not like there's a ton of Asian American styles and fashions and models compared Mm to, well, white people. And I almost feel you have this, your channel in a way, it seems like it's about fashion, but it's also about like relatable, playful subversiveness. Yeah. Like you get to care about this too, even if you don't look like these people Mm -hmm. or talk like them. Yeah. I feel like you're right. That was something that wasn't part of the message and objective, but it just so happened to also wrap into what was likable about the channel. It made it feel inclusive, especially for people that, like you're saying, don't look like the Western kind of normal, like, like white people in fashion, like six foot tall, skinny, you know? What's kind of cool is it goes back to, I know you didn't grow up as a child being like, I'm in, I grew up as a child. (laughs) You were truly a child of all time. So the development though, from I'm going to make a YouTube channel to like, Oh, this higher level mission where I'm describing this like subversiveness, this openness around fashion. Like that's something that probably evolved along the way, mm. right? It's not something I think you can think through from very day one and mm. be like, yeah, I'm going to do no, this. No, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it was always my story. <laughs> Just uh, what's the Japanese? Well, you know, I know you mentioned you don't actually watch a ton of anime, but there's Japanese phrase like all according to kekaku, like all according to plan. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is not according to plan. Mm, no. I also love, you know, before the pod started, you mentioned you grew up in Hawaii mm-hmm. where everybody is a mix of Asian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to a point where... You don't even notice because no. everyone's just Asian. Yeah. And you talk about fashion. You said you earlier on talked about fashion with your other friends, but you were working in a Tommy Hillinger store, mm-hmm. which is very Western. Yeah. Right. And I'm curious for your own personal fashion, as you've developed your sense of style, do you feel that's come more Western influenced, Eastern influenced, like Hawaii influenced? What's that for mm-hmm. you? I mean, the boring answer is there's a little bit of everything, Mm. but I do feel like nowadays my current style has been really, I've been very, um, I've always been like fond of trying out everything because Mm. it's like, there's so many different styles. Your hair changes colors. My hair changes colors all the time just because it's fun. You know, I feel like there's so many ways to express yourself. If you don't have one clear-cut refined perspective why would you pigeonhole your style to that Mm. like i almost envy people that can like keep one lane like i know people that like have had the same style and they've just refined and built on that forever and it's cool because it's like one they can just keep wearing the same clothes and and not having to move all the time but it's like i always find myself going all over the place, whether it be for content, fashion, all parts of my life, really, I I find myself kind of spacing out. So right now my style reflects that in a way that it's all over the place. So your style reflects your life. What's your life's like, look, from a 2016 community school dropout, just Mm. making videos to you are a successful creator Mm. who's built a business Mm -hmm. Over a million, there are so many people who watch and listen to what you say now. What is the focus of your life now creatively? Like, what's the dream? Well, the dream is to be able to keep doing what I want to do for however long. You know, I don't have, as, as like counterintuitive as this might sound, I don't have any like, I don't have many long-term goals. There are no like, I have to, in five years, I have to do this. In 10 years, I have to do this. Because 
those things are going to change. Like everyone that's like, I respect everyone that has those like long-term goals and like meets that and like targets their life towards that. Just my personality type. I'm very fluid. I know the goals are going to change. I have, what I do have though is in my current state, I have like ideas and like fun things that I want to do. I'm not going to plot those on a, on a calendar though. And, um, so the dream is to be able to have these ideas and have the discipline to facilitate them and actually make them happen because an Mm -hmm. idea without execution is pointless. You know, it's just a, it's just a thought. So the dream now is to keep executing on Mm. fun things that I want to do. That's my current dream. It reminds me your earlier point on passion being tied less to outcome, less to specific milestones Mm -hmm. dropped in a calendar, more tied to process, Mm -hmm. which for you is I get to keep doing what I want to do and having the discipline to execute on it. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, tomorrow I could like have this brilliant idea of a show, pitch it to my friend. They love it. We pursue that for a year, which you can't plan that, you know, Mm. that just happens that disrupts the five-year plan. If you have, if you have a five-year plan plotted on your calendar, you kind of bottleneck what you can do, you know, which for some people, they find more satisfaction in this focus. And I think you need a balance of focus and you need a balance focus into any plan anyways. But for me, I find more satisfaction in just like when things happen, I want to be able to do them. You know, like I want to be able to like have fun doing everything. On the one hand, you're talking a lot about freedom and creativity, both Mm. in what I want to do and having the space to pursue it. And on the other, I'm hearing these allusions toward discipline and rigor. Mm. Right. You mentioned, for example, the discipline to actually execute on what you want to do. Otherwise, it's just an idea. Or Mm. earlier, we talked a little bit about the business side of what you do as a creator, Mm -hmm. that you have an accountant, Mm -hmm. that you've brought in essentially your own full time manager Mm -hmm. who's covered an entire year of your AdSense inventory ahead of time. You have multiple podcast productions going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like this simultaneous I am free and creative and I've got my shit together. Mm. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I've got my shit together. I don't think part. I do though. Well, what do you, what do you mean? Because you have so many of these structures in place. So I feel like at any level, you, I, you definitely know this feeling at any level, you know, there are so many anxieties and stresses that come from all different angles, you know? But from the outside, it looks like they have their shit together. Mm. Like, it's like the same thing with like a household, like a nuclear family where you're looking at them through the window and you're like, they have their shit together. But you don't know about the constant fighting every night or the son like having mental problems or what. Like, there's so many like internal issues. I feel like having your shit together is relative. But, and that's why I feel like I don't have my together because I see so many people more way more responsible than me way more in check than me I'm like if I was that clean I would take mm. over the world but you know I kind of love that God only gives you so many cards you know and I do feel sometimes though like not imposter syndrome I guess it's akin to that but like you ever feel like the rug's just gonna get pulled from oh, any you? moment it could all just collapse all the time I think about that I think the more the the I guess the as time progresses I feel less of that, but it comes back, you know. Over time it comes back. I'm like, I 
I feel like everything, the bubble's going to burst. That's but, why you said for you, the dreams, you get to keep doing what you're going to exactly. do. Because you're scared. What if I don't? Mm-hmm. There might come a time where I'm not able to do the things that I want to do. And I also have accepted that if that time comes, I'll have to go and figure it out. Mm. You know, but at the same time, I guess right now, yeah, I feel more secure than I've ever been. So I feel like relative to the past, I have my shit together. But I would like to say that no one ever has their shit together. Yeah. Everyone's con- if you had your shit together, it would be easy. Funnily enough, the times where I feel like the rug's going to get pulled is when I'm most comfortable. It feels like there was a point last year where I was like, okay, I have all these channels doing good, stable, everything that I can, like, like money is good. Like I'm kind of in a good, I'm, I have the apartment that I've always wanted. You know, I'm living the lifestyle I've always wanted. I was comfortable and I didn't need to do anything. I was like sitting on my couch, like, okay, cool. And then I realized like, wow, I feel like this could all just disappear. It's right when you feel as yeah. fast it goes. It's so weird. Like as soon as I got comfortable, I felt like, oh, I got to be careful. The rug's going to get pulled. Yeah. So it's like that. I don't know if there's any truth to this. I've never Googled it, but you know, like how sharks can't stop moving or they're Keep swimming or yeah, or they'll die. Someone Google that. That can't be true. I, if that is true. For what it's worth, I've heard it through as well. And I thought, I think it's true. Okay. That's kind of how I feel sometimes. Cause like in the moments where I'm like starting a new idea and the most stressed have to learn like a lot of that brain one activation where I'm like, you know, like in front of it, that's where I feel like I'm most secure. You know, like when the momentum is going, I feel like I'm the safest. It's like the same capability you have can be a superpower or a curse, right? It's like, in a way you're describing when I turn around and burn the boats, Mm. oh, I know I'm going to do great work. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. But then what happens when like, I don't need to burn the boats and everything's chill. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, something's going to happen. Oh God. (laughs) It's weird though. I feel like, I don't know if I've always had that, like how, for you. When do you most feel like the rug's going to get pulled? Like, when do you most feel uncomfortable? So we just raised a Series B, mm-hmm. a lot of money, mm-hmm. $70 million. Mm-hmm. And one of my employees actually gave me feedback the other day mm. because he saw when I talk about it in content and in private, people would be like, oh, how do you feel? And the number one thing I'd say is most likely we'll still fail. We're a venture back startup. Wow. The odds <laughs> are against us. Yeah. Statistically, we're probably going to fail. Obviously, I believe in what we're doing enough to bet my own time on it. And I simultaneously, knowing we're less likely going to fail, believe in enough that I'm going to try my hardest to have it succeed. Mm. And <clears throat> saying things like, well, you know, now if it fails, it's just even more meaningfully bad. Because, wow. you know, we failed three, four years ago. Nobody would fucking care. Now we fail. Our clients, our friends, our investors, creators we work with, our There's business partners. Stake. Yeah. Everyone's going to turn to us and be like, wow, Eric, you dumb f-. And I try and be really honest about my feelings at any given point in time. So people mm. would be like, wow, like, how do you feel? I'd wow. be like, well, you know, most likely the odds yeah. are against us. And oh, yeah. cool, we fail. It just gets worse. 
And my employee was just like, dude, like, I love you. And I'm sharing this feedback because I actually care about the company. Mm. This is not helping. Wow. <laughs> it was almost, and he didn't say this. Wait, were you public about the, this is probably going to fail. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, I'll show you later, literally the shorts I put out on her Instagram, there's a segment where I'm always like, yeah, so we're probably going to fail, but I still believe in this. Wow. Because the odds are against us. Yeah. And I don't feel secure. Mm-hmm. It feels disingenuous to pretend otherwise. And the feedback my employee gave me was like, dude, like at a certain point, and this is how I took it. He didn't say it this mm. way. At a certain point, you're now just saying this less for the company and the people you're trying to help and more to assuage your own sense of insecurity and guilt. Because at a certain point, mm. it almost becomes cute. Like people are staking their time and money and trust with you. You don't get to go out. He didn't actually say this. This is how mm. I interpret it. Yeah. You don't get to go out and be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, it might not work. <laughs> yeah. And if it doesn't work, well, I told you so. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you don't get to say that. No. At a certain point, you have to own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a really good point. Mm. There's a certain appropriate level of disclosure mm. and feelings to share. Like feelings are important. Mm -hmm. And yet to almost share every intrusive thought and fear that you have, yeah. it actually hurts your progress toward goal and it freaks people out yeah. who don't have the same context as you. So it's something I've been grappling with myself where, yeah, I feel a lot of fear and acting in a state of fear doesn't mean I'm always... I don't know if I can make the best decisions for the company if I'm always acting from a state of fear. Why do you think you felt the need to externalize that specific thought? Because I'm really scared. You're scared? <laughs> I'm so, mm. you know, when you said I wanted to just be able to keep doing what I yeah. want to do and that freedom is uh -huh. what I care about. It's the same for me. It's mm. why I left the corporate world. It's why I'm so grateful. And I similarly mm. wonder if I'm kneecapping myself because... I'm too afraid of how far we've come in losing that to make the decisions that will actually continue it because there's too much risk involved. Mm. It's almost like in the early days when we had nothing, I felt so much more empowered to make the bold decisions that were very Yeah, because there's not as much. It's like, Because you have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. Yeah, like, now that you have stuff to lose, exactly. you feel it weighing down on you. For instance, early days, mm -hmm. I mentioned to you, we tried a lot of different products and services for creators. And mm -hmm. some of them, like people will get really mad at us and be like, I think I told you we try and provide business capital to creators. Yeah. A lot of YouTubers, when we approach them, like at VidCon, be like, you guys are huge scammers. Like I can wow. show you emails we got. Wow. People like this is so fucking dumb. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really matter because nobody knew what we were doing. And now when we launch something and say it doesn't go perfectly mm -hmm. and realistically, oftentimes it doesn't because we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, oh, my reputation, our reputation is on the line and that's scary. And yet to sit mm -hmm. there and do nothing and be overly protective also means as sharks do when they're not swimming, you also die. So mm -hmm. it's like this very weird, the same impulses that drove me to do something different are now making me scared of losing what we have. Mm. I feel like... I have a similar thing, but it's not the same because in a creative mm. medium, you have more opportunity to fail. You're kind of supposed to fail. When you have investors and you know, you're you're a business, I feel like there's a different like there's different leeway for failing, you know? Like creatively, if you fail, it's subjective. In a business, in a more objective, in a more objective world, I feel like you have a better right to be scared, you know? And yet the crazy thing is 
The reason why Silicon Valley has been the most successful generator on new companies and startups was because as much as possible, it tried to change and meld company building with creative work oh. where, hey, if you fail in Silicon Valley, that's not something to be ashamed of. Yeah. It was the inevitable part of you made one thing and didn't work, so try the next. Mm. Empirically, it's been successful. There's a reason why Silicon Valley still is the number one generator of startups. Mm. And personally, I think you're right. They are a little different, mm. but... I think the path to success is to try and tie them as similarly as you can. I had a friend who used mm. to tell me, and look, I thought it was a little on the nose, but there's a certain fuck you sentiment in her expression. Like she said, you know, for me, Drake, Drake drops records. Like I drop companies. Mm. Like I've done three companies so far and, you know, a couple of them haven't worked. So what? On to my next. Again, on the one hand, that's, well, a certain level of, being cavalier because yeah, there's yeah. people's jobs and yeah. investor money and all that. And mm -hmm. again, there's a certain mentality when it's like, I do think to create something really good, you have to be able to have some of that mentality. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like now more than ever, like the people that I'm meeting, like that are top of their field are always nuts. They're always crazy, you know? And I think you need that though. Like yeah. if you were normal, you wouldn't be, those ideas don't come from someone with a level head. And so that's why I feel, I think you can embrace that more. Yeah. Being crazy. I think the world needs more crazy. I'm with you. If, if we were all normal, life would, life would okay. suck. There would be no ups and downs. It'd be a flat. That's what I, when I hear you say you operate best when you're burning the boats, mm. I can see how it can be scary when there are no boats to burn. Mm -hmm. But I also see that as, that's your need to be creative. Yeah. Like you kind of, you, you're like forced, you're forced to like, I, I remember thinking back at when I was really broke in New York, I had mo just moved there like $500 to my name. I was living with like seven guys at a time where I had that fire under my ass where me and my friend Johnny had to share food from Costco. Like we would buy Costco meatballs and count it and split it. So like five meatballs, two and a half for you, two and yeah. a half for me. We had to like count food. And looking back when I was forced to kind of figure it out, those were some of the most fulfilling times of my life. When I would find um, breaks of success, I would enjoy that so much more or like breaks of like happiness and, and moments of feeling like, oh my God, I'm doing it. Like I'm like chasing that still chasing that. Like when I first started doing stuff and started like, hammering down on like what I needed to like, or like hammering down like my responsibilities and like, Oh my God, I'm doing the thing, you know? But in those moments, there's like, so I have so little at that time and I'm only forced to be creative because I've burned the boats, but I haven't built anything on the land yet. Ooh. You know, that's when I felt the most happiness. I'd say most fulfillment, I guess happiness is relative, but most fulfillment for sure. Like yeah. I, I've gotten more fulfillment off of like the first time I landed a brand deal than now when I'm selling a year and it's like, whatever. In those moments, I feel there was so much more magic. And I think, I don't know. What brings the magic now? Yeah. Well, now the magic comes from new things that are like um, completely opposite from the whole like doing YouTube stuff. I feel like there comes a point. I remember, I think... 
I forgot who said this, but I remember like, you're going to feel happier reaching a hundred K than a million. And you're not even going to care when you hit 10 million. Mm. Like, obviously I don't know what the 10 million ones like, but I can tell you like when I hit a million, when I hit a hundred K, I was watching the live thing. It was a whole moment. I remember having like a whole like existential, like, Oh my God, like I made it. Like Mm. my life has been changed forever. Like this is the greatest accomplishment I've ever had. And I can see the next 10 years of my life. When I hit a million, I like woke up to a text from my friend going, yo, congrats on a million. And it was like during COVID, I think. And I remember just like sleeping on my couch, waking up to a million, like, oh, this is, that's cool. I didn't notice I was that close. And I think that's to get that feeling of 100K again, it's not going to be 10 million. It's not going to be 100 million. I think it's new things, something new. And that's what goes back to, I feel like my style kind of matches my personality. It's trying all these new things. I get excited at new things. I'm like a, I'm like a kid in a Toys R Us, you know? For me, the magic comes back when I'm trying new things. And right now I'm starting a clothing brand, you know? And that whole part of like building a team, being like a true executive in an executive position, like hiring, not just like editors, because I feel like for my other channels, it's like I got my channel manager to do it. Like, oh, can we find some editors for this? And my my team, like, also on the show, like, finds animators and stuff. This is the first time where I had to, like, buy an office, find some people on the team, figure out how to do all these things, talk to factories, set like, hire models, scout models, all this stuff, all this new, like, stuff. It feels like I found new land and I'm burning the boats again, you know? Wow. So that's where the magic comes from, I think, now. It's like exploring all these new avenues where not only is it a different field of work, but the actual work is different. You're shifting from content creator Mm -hmm. to company creator, to a founder, to an executive, to a leader. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's a clothing brand. It's not like I have like this big 20-person team. There's like six of us, but... Even then, like a lot of people, yeah, like managing people feels like hopping on calls with different people that excel in different parts of the company. Yeah, it's cool. It's it it feels new, and I feel that's where now more than ever I'm like, ooh, I feel the momentum again. So you're feel you're feeling the fulfillment. Yeah. So this is like another chapter. It is. I feel like there's there's like a. I know I like was talking about the five year thing, but I just this just so happened to be a five year segment of when I was twenty. And to now I'm 25, that five years was like really doing all this, all what I wanted to do with content. Yeah. And now at 25, I'm like, let's see what I can do with this next string of time with the clothing brand stuff. This goes back to our earlier discussion around, it's all just a creative process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was, this clothing brand stuff was not planned. I didn't want to make a clothing brand. Where did this come from then? It came from a lot of things. Um, one of the main things was dialing in when I was like at my most comfortable and I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like none of this stuff is like exciting, exciting anymore. It's just easy. Mm. Like making content felt easy. I could sit on anyone's podcast and talk to anybody. It's like, I've been doing it for six years. It came from dialing into what I even found fulfilling in that process. And it, I think I came to the conclusion of, I love creating. Like I love making things. And a lot of the stuff I've made is digital. 
it's all online. You can watch it, but you can't hold it. I can't like go up to someone and be like, hey, I made this with a video. I can show them on the phone, but I can't be like, hey, feel that I created this idea. Is a, it's, it's not tangible. Mm. And so what made the most sense? Clothes, you know? I work with clothes all day. I'm like working on them for videos. Mm. I'm like live around them. And that was also just something that it, it was not planned. It just yeah. so happened to be that was like the next, a clear next step yeah. for me. But that's what makes it so much better. It's not like, oh, I'm a fashion creator. Let me just go make some clothes. It's like, well, I want to create something different, something new, something mm-hmm. physical. Mm-hmm. This makes sense. This mm-hmm. feels right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, even at that moment, I didn't even have the idea yet for for like what the brand was going to be. Like, I'll tell you off the podcast what it's going to be because it's a whole like, wow, it's it's so big now. But um. In the moment of the the conception of the I'm going to make a clothing brand idea, I didn't know what the clothes were going to look like. Mm. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew like, ooh, there's there's something there. There's a piece of land there that I want to conquer, you know? And that's what gets you excited. Mm-hmm. That's when it's something new. It's something new. I don't know what that new thing is yet. Yeah. In, you know, like what the brand is now, it's so, it's still evolving. I feel like everything is still evolving. Every story is still being written. I can't go here and be like, oh, I came up with this idea. Like I sat down in the basement for two for two days straight with no food and water and thought of this. I like this whole thing is evolving constantly. And that's what's so exciting. I kind of love in a way to recreate the magic when you were sharing apartments in New York mm. with seven guys and you're splitting meatballs in a hundred K. Yeah. It's in a way, now you have an entire all environment. The exactly. All yeah. the meatballs. You have these really successful content plays yeah. as you said you can jump and make any video and shoot it and know it's going to do reasonably well mm-hmm. this is the next level this is like the version of okay like cool it's great you have these videos but just mm. because you're a successful youtuber doesn't mean you're going to be a successful founder yeah it's true i i was i remember hanging out with my friend zane who uh he has this big brand rasta out of pakistan he was he's huge he's like forbes 30 under 30 like and his mind works I love like talking to him about the way he goes about his brand because he's such a fun guy. He's like, you could party with him and do everything. But then he like has this huge team of like artisanal, artisanal people in like Pakistan, like creating clothes. I remember just, we hung out one day, we got dinner and I remember just like sitting with like the, like, I remember just thinking about our conversation, like, man, his stressors are so different from mine. Yeah. Like he's like, he's like creating clothes. Like I'm creating videos, but there's so much more on the line Mm. because he has all these employees and it's like a physical product. It's not like, I hope it doesn't get, if it gets views, it gets views, whatever. If it doesn't sell, like you have a physical thing sitting there. Like, like it just, it made no sense as to why I would pursue that. That's why I excluded it as a thing. I was yeah. like, I'm not going to run a clothing brand. There's so many different. It was not part of the plan. But I guess it came back when I was comfortable and thought, this is such an uncomfortable thought. Yeah. And it's not like I'm seeking discomfort, but it repack. it came back around the sun in a different package as to not... I would never do this because this seems so stressful, but rather look at this new problem that you can solve. Look at this new venture, you know, 
look at this new idea that has come back as not only not not like a ball of mud but like a present yeah. and i don't know i think that's that's why i can't plan the five years you never know what would happen you never know there's almost an element of perversity you're describing where mm. you're like it's precisely because i'm listening to him describe this and my initial reaction was oh i don't want this that in a way is why you want to do it now yeah. when you felt you worried you were becoming complacent. Mm-hmm. I think now more than ever, I'm going out of my way to do the things I don't like. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of the things I love now, I hated. Like what? Well, right now I'm a big cold shower guy and nobody likes cold showers. You don't get used to them. They suck all the time. But that's the point. But if I can get myself to do that, <clears throat> I feel like. I'm just better equipped to do other things. It's like a bunch of small things. Mm. For example, like I hate, um, I'm, I'm like not the cleanest guy. Like mm. I, I'm just like, I can live wherever. Mm. But in the morning, I've been making myself like for an hour, I'm gonna clean up my apartment, and I hate it. But like in that moment, I'm like, I'm gonna do it because I don't want to do it. I love that Aristotle's philosophy was centered around the cultivation of virtues. Mm. Like the way to live a good life is to cultivate a virtue you appreciate and value. And mm. I'm hearing you describe, you're like, well, it's not like I really want to take the cold shower or do the hard no. thing or start the clothing brand or clean up my room. But you almost implicitly feel there's a virtue here, right? Mm. Around discipline, mm -hmm. right? Around creativity. Mm -hmm. That's worth leaning into. Yeah. I'm also very competitive. Mm. I feel like I should have gotten to this point earlier, but competition, whether it be, whether the opponent knows it's a competition or not, to me, it's such a driving factor. Yeah. Like for the YouTube thing, I, get, I should have included this earlier. Okay. If you're this late into the podcast, this is the real you're, value. You're, you're committed now. This buddies. is the real value. So I remember... I used to train with this guy, Scott. It was my friend. I met him uh, in community college and we used to train in the gym together. And like, he's, he's a tall guy. He's like 6'2", bigger guy, like, you know, strong, muscular guy. And at the time I was like really out of shape, like overweight and I'm like shorter than him. And we used to train MMA together. Like, or like we wanted to get into MMA together. And I wanted to do it because like, I was like, oh, you know, it'll be a good excuse for me to lose weight. It'll be fun. And we used to go to the gym and we would spar. And obviously I get my ass handed to me because he's in better condition. He's longer. He's stronger. And in every way on paper, better equipped for fighting and will beat my ass a hundred times out of a hundred times. And so <clears throat> I remember looking at that adversity thinking like, oh my God, I got to like go in and train when he's not there so that when we spar again, he's like, what the when did you learn that? So I would like train with him. And then on the, we didn't and like on the days where he's not going to the gym, I'm going to the gym and like making friends with the, with the actual fighters. Mm. Be like, yo, you got to like teach me how to do this. Mm. I want to learn. I want to get into it. And I don't even think I liked fighting the sport of fighting, but I think I liked fighting. Mm. Like I liked, I like going after it. And while he thought it was just a fun, we sparred once a week type thing, on those six days where he's like not sparring, I'm going in and training with people. And over time, I can feel myself like, oh, I'm, even though he's more physically in shape and, and has the edge on me physically, 
I'm getting, I'm getting some hits in now, you know? And it felt good. I'm like, oh, I'm making progress. And he has no idea what's coming. Oh, you're going to whoop his ass. He has no idea. And I remember there was a month where he like didn't really train, come to the gym. He was like busy doing something else. And I took that whole month to train with, uh, with my friends that like I, I like fought with. And he came in and I remember like feeling so comfortable, like be feeling so confident and like whooping his ass and sparring. And he's like, what the fuck? And I remember like playing it off like, oh man, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. And that feeling was like a drug. Yeah. The competition of like, I'm going to go after it. You know, David Goggins? Yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't make it a part of my personality externally because, you know, I feel like if you're externalizing it, you're not actually internalizing it sometimes. Right. A lot of people that talk about that are not actually about it. Do it. Don't talk about it. Exactly. And so, like, with fighting, like, that's one, that's how I got an MMA. Because I did that, and then I, um, I loved it. And then I was just friends with all the fighters at the gym, and that's how that happened. That spirit carried into everything that I yeah. wanted to do. And funnily enough, Scott was like... Yo, I was thinking of starting a YouTube channel for my car. Like, I was going to do car vlogs. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he was like, yeah, I think I could really take off on this stuff. And I was like, yeah. And I remember, like, having the idea. And I, like, briefly shared with him, like, just like, oh, I was thinking about it, too. I didn't tell him, like, I was going to do it with the fashion stuff. I was just like, oh, I was thinking about doing something, too. And he was like, well, f like, let's both start channels. And whoever is the first to get to 10K, like... Like, let's see who can get to, to 10,000 subscribers first yeah. or something like that. And it was like this joke competition for him. And in my head, I'm like, it would be crazy if I actually did that, though. Yeah. It would be crazy if I actually hit 10,000 subscribers, though. And so that was a big part of me going in every day to the library and putting in the work. And it's funny because that's such a bad reason. <laughs> but I think... Looking back now, that spirit of competition drives me. I think the most important things to your earlier point are do the things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. And for you, there's fulfillment you feel mm -hmm. from maybe others or myself. It wasn't clear if I could do this and I could win. Mm -hmm. And so when you do, it's incredible. Yeah. I also think I just get a lot of fulfillment from the thought of the competition too. Yeah. It's not even about the winning really. It's about the, I'm coming after you. Oh, you know? yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to put in that work every day. And sometimes I fall short. Like a lot of the times I fall sure. short, which is again, part of the game. Yeah. The outcome almost is not about the outcome, but it yeah. was the thrill of the hunt. Exactly. The chase. Exactly. When you mentioned as a creator going to being a founder for me, I'm a founder who's leaning more mm -hmm. and more into being a creator. And it's mm -hmm. so funny because Originally, the podcast started mm -hmm. almost more as like a, well, I think this would be fun. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But I've quickly found myself competitive with other podcast channels. Oh, man, you need it, though. Yeah. Because then what are you doing? Yeah, you exactly. Know? So like I look at the ones that are way bigger than we are, right? Yeah. Like Ice Coffee Hour with Graham Stephan, yeah. like uh, Under the Influence, Suburb oh, yeah. Talks, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many of these, Impulsive, Colin and Samir. Mm -hmm. And now I study them. Oh, you need and to. every few weeks I'll like come back to our editors and be like, let's try it like this. And what's so funny is there's a few other pods 
that were of similar size to us mm. and now we're bigger than they are. Yeah. And I, and I just look at them and I feel really good. Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to make people feel bad, yeah. but in my head, Oh, I'm good. stepping on them. Oh, it feels, oh it my feels, God. feels fantastic. And what yeah. makes it probably even worse is some of them are like full-time creators. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm doing this on the yeah, side. I'm like I'm doing this on the side <laughs> man. and I'm coming after yeah, yeah. you. There's that little bit of that yeah. you energy. You need it though. I feel yeah, like there's yeah. a difference between having that for yourself and being an asshole. Yes. Cause if you're putting them down for it, like you're just a, oh no, I've never told no, 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 no. anyone this ever yeah. until this very much i'm like all right man if we're gonna talk yeah, about no, no. this like yes i too i'm like i'm not even in this full time and yeah. i'm whooping your ass now no it's really i feel like that's you even if it's not like competition competition yeah. there needs to be a thrill oh yeah you, you want to win you need a thrill for something like oh, especially yeah. if you're like making content <sighs> where you're inadvertently competing for space like if you're in fashion making content like you're all talking about the same yeah everyone's talking about the same I like, need to be better and more compelling the next one. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I always feel like my personality, my perspective, my like comedic timing, everything in between. I'm like, the person next to me can't do that. We can talk mm. about the same stuff. Mm. They could have better title, better thumbnail, get better views. But in, to me internally, if I can watch their content and feel like I'm funnier than that guy, that's I'm more entertaining I mean. than that guy. It makes it makes me feel better. Like. Making it about views makes it about a different game yeah. sometimes. Views aren't always correlated with... Yeah. No. Like, there have been times where it's like... I, I've had friends where they've had a video sit for months, they change the thumbnail and the video blows up. And to me, it proves like it's really... Your content can be amazing, yeah. but if people don't see it, it's like that's a different part of the game. It's a different game, yeah. Yeah. I don't like playing the game of numbers. Right. It takes away from the creativity and the fulfillment you know, um, but at the end of the day, like for me, I, I guess in YouTube, I'm not really competing as much anymore. Yeah, I'm not because like, you don't view yourself as a YouTuber. No. Yeah. I'm, I don't really care so much about the beating people in views as much as I did before, like before coming up on the grind, like yeah, sure, to, when you have zero followers, yeah, yeah. yeah, you need that. I guess now that I've gotten my all the fulfillment I've wanted from you. Different game. Yeah, I, I, I'm just pivoting now. Like that's the job, but the passion is elsewhere. I love that. Yeah. In a way, just as fashion, in a way, was a tool for you to grow YouTube. Mm -hmm. YouTube's now a tool for you to grow into what you want to do. His next. comeback, which happens to be clothing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is another full. full yeah. Orbiting around, coming right back at you. Mm -hmm. there, there's so much. There's so much of like you'll see so many parallels in life. I see. I think. What yeah. I'm hearing in your life is this constant theme between it's the mix of creativity and competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like those sure. are the two virtues I Maybe. hear yeah. you cultivate. Like in a way, that's what drives your life. Yeah. I want to make something of my own. I want it to be new. Mm -hmm. I want to create. Mm -hmm. Part of creativity comes from the fact that it's hard and hasn't been done before. Yeah. Oh, and I love just the process itself of trying to win. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, you're so right. I've never like thought about the two being like, like twins, you know, yeah. like two parts of the same yeah. ship. Cause like now that you bring it up, it is hand in hand because I feel like a strength of mine is the creativity. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to things that I'm competitive in, I automatically go to, how can I bend this mm -hmm. to fit me better? I think another one of 
your skills that helps you succeed in this is mm. the ability to tolerate cognitive dissonance and hold two different ideas at the same time. What I mean by this, there's actually been at least three times just during conversation today, mm. we've discussed conflicting ideals that you're able to do at the same time. We just talked about creativity mm. and competition, yeah. which many people would either be, oh, I'm purely an artist yeah. or I'm purely I'm a, a businessman. Warrior. Yeah. Exactly. And it's yeah. easy for the artist to look at the competitive guy and say, you're a sellout. It's easy for the competitive person to look at the artist and be like, this is impractical. You're yeah, able yeah. to do both. Yeah. Another example is we talked a little about creativity. We talked a little bit about luck being preparation and opportunity. Yeah. Right. It's again, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, yeah. a little bit of that. Right. It's like being able to hold both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, what would you say are your, your two big virtues? Honestly, very similar to you. Creativity and competition. <laughs> I like to try and think of new things and I like to try and mm-hmm. win. And mm-hmm. I think that's why we're meeting in the context that we are. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you're a creator who's we're doing like, more business work. Yeah. I'm a business guy who's doing more creative yeah, work. And we're, right? we're running in circles with each other right yes. now. You know, I kind of like that though. I feel like yeah. it's like you can have the same values, but have completely different personalities. Yes. You know, cause I can say, we have two completely different personalities, yeah. but I feel like we value the same yes. things and approach things differently. <laughs> you know? We're here to win, but it's not enough to win playing someone else's game. It's here to win playing Your the game, game, my version <laughs> yeah. of it. It feels way better to win with the exploit. It feels way better to win when they mm-hmm. don't see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I love like thinking of just in sports, art, everything. Like I love rooting for like the alternative mm-hmm. player in games. You know, like it's always so, to me, it makes things more interesting. Yeah. You know, like in Dragon Ball Z, right? Who's rooting for Goku? Oh, everyone it's, knows Goku but wins. it's so Fuck boring that. though. Like, why yeah, are you rooting for Goku? You know, I think a lot of people automatically default in life to like, you got to do this. You got to be Goku. Yeah. Like, why though? Like, why do you have to be Goku? I don't know about you, but I have really bad like ADHD. Yeah. I got diagnosed in 2017 yeah. or 2018 and um, it made everything made sense in that moment. Mm. You know, I remember getting diagnosed thinking like, I've never thought about that as mm. a reason as to why I love just having like the main path and then just going, Oh, oh what's this? What's yeah. all that? I like just, I don't know. My mind wanders. It's like, that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. There's this contradictory impulse around, oh, I want to win, but not like by being Goku. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to win by being Goku. I don't want to win by like having the me- the best stats, yeah. you know? I want to like have this shitty off meta character and find a way to creatively win that you wouldn't have known how yes. to do, you know? Like I want to win in a way that you can't win if you tried winning that way. Yeah. I love that. It's... I think it, it's not at the forefront of my mind. I'm not actively thinking of ways to win, like, alternatively. I think that's just subconsciously what it's drives. It's the path you're going to look for. Yeah, it's subconsciously what happens anyways, you know? I kind of love this concept around, I feel, even from, like, the very start, right? Mm. You're, like, in school and you, like, decide to do YouTube, right? Mm. And this come-up story from splitting meatballs Mm-hmm. to where you're at now moving into reducing your own mm-hmm. clothes it's always just like i'm gonna do what i want to do and part of what i want to do is being better than other people yeah <laughs> you're a person of contradictory impulses yeah and it's your ability to hold these different impulses together that's what's helping you succeed and win i think so too i think yeah. 
one, these two are successful because like those two, two virtues are successful because they work well together. Yeah, the crazy and the competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that too. I, that's a cool perspective. I never thought about them both working hand in hand. You know, I always like do try to find the like just off the beaten path type thing. So we're going to finish up with one question yeah. here. This is a game. It's based off 36 questions to fall in love. Oh my God. Where these are the questions sign reciprocity and intimacy. The New York Times wrote a study about many of the people who played questions actually became good friends. One where you fell in love. Mm. So you when I fall in love. Oh, I already have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The game's been already won, friend. <laughs> the college dropout and the Harvard graduate come together and play a hard game. And yet, from different angles, we've reached similar points in life. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't go to college, you stayed in college, and you're doing the founder thing. And I'm leaning more into yeah, content. You're leaning I'm, more into Yeah, yeah. Wow. That is it. It's like living with this like money. We met partially because you're good friends with Rosie. Yes, right? It's also the same thing that you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Someone who not only is the founder and has raised venture capital, but also tweets about sex and masturbation. Bro. Every she, day. I say this about her. She's the definition of a min-max character. Yeah. Like, so far. Yeah, so far. The sliders are so far in complete opposite directions for, like, like conflicting things. And it works for her. Contradictory strengths. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I look for in my friends and my business partners and my yeah. employees. Yeah. We look for, we call them spikes. Oh. Exaggerated mm. traits. Mm. I'd rather hire someone who's incredible in X and shh. It's like the Bill Gates than the Microsoft thing, right? What does he say? Find yeah. the laziest person to solve a problem yeah. most efficiently or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because that person clearly has a spike in yeah. one particular area mm-hmm. around getting stuff done. And maybe in other areas they're pretty bad. Yeah. I'd rather hire someone who's mid-maxed. Yeah. It's just all around. Me too. Me too. I think I'm like that. I, I find like you find the balance by mixing these min-max yes. characters and as opposed to yeah. a bunch of like level-headed, like regular people, you know? It's also how you build a successful team. Mm-hmm. Hire for strengths, put them together so all their strengths shine through yeah. and you leverage that, then it's the people, exactly a bunch of average people. If you're gonna be you, if you're gonna let your exaggerated strengths and traits come through, of course people are gonna not like you. Yeah. But this way you select for the people who are gonna mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. I have a good, uh, I guess it's the coping but mechanism for yeah. dealing with hate is every comment, every person that, that knows who I am is in a constant state of superposition. I don't know if they don't like me or like me. And if I, and I'm, and I'm like measured out, I get less from finding out. Because if I find out they, if I see a comment and it's a comment, it will do more to compromise my work than a comment that's, I love your shit. So I don't read any of the comments because I don't know if there's hate out there. I remember sometimes I get interviewed for something like, how do you deal with hate? And like, I don't like, cause I've seen comments where it's like, and then they'll read the hate comments. I'm like, I didn't know those existed until just now. See, I need you know, what I resent most about hate comments is not actually, it's hate. I resent giving the space in my mind. Yeah, it's, exactly. That exactly. is like now my future actions, maybe whether it's, for or against, yeah. it's in reaction to it. And I don't think you deserve that space in my head, even if exactly. No, you're so little, you don't matter. Like, I don't know why I'm thinking I don't about it right now.
comments. Yeah, I stopped reading comments because there's one time I read a comment of, I don't even remember what it was. I think it was something like, he's like reaction jokes or like, you're, you're trying too hard to be funny or something like that. Some like baseless comment, you know? And like, it kind of stuck around. And I remember the next time I was writing, I was like, what? Doing too many jokes. And in that moment, I'm like, oh man, like I shouldn't even be thinking about this. If I am making too many jokes, that's just the way it was. That's just the way my brain let it happen. That's how I would have done it in 50 other timelines. But because I read that comment, there's one timeline compromised. And even for me, that's too many. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to compromise anything. Because the creative vision around what you want to do is so precious. Exactly. It's not like I'm taking customer feedback. It's some guy just not liking my existence for no reason. We're going to pull one from level three. So you do that. You do the honors. And if you don't like the car, you're going to pull a different one. We're going to end on this. Is level three the best one? It's the deepest one. Oh, yeah. See right. what it is. Ooh, what do you think my weakness is? I don't think it's a weakness per se. Oh, come on. You got to get No, no, I'm being honest. Okay. But what I really appreciate, right? We've discussed this balance between creativity and competition, between finding the overlap between luck and opportunity, mm -hmm. between giving lots of f**ks but not caring too much about outcome. Yeah. When I've spoken with you today, I feel there's this, such a strong common theme on you finding these contradictions and somehow you hold them within yourself and that's your strengths. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I've heard awareness of that. Mm. Maybe if I had to choose your weaknesses, did you know you were doing this, Christian? I will be honest. I'm very aware of that and I'm very mindful of all these things. And to play onto that, I do find weakness in, I don't know why I keep holding on to all these. Like I know I do. I know I try to go out of my way to find these contradictions and things, but does that come from a place of insecurity? Do I feel the need to point out these perspectives that only I have or whatever? Do I have to feel the need? The uniqueness around. Yes. Is that a bad thing? I think there's time and place though. See, I think a reframing of a time and place, every min that's straight you have, sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So maybe sometimes it does get in the way. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes to want to make anything new in this world and actually turn it to something real, mm -hmm. right? Which is in yet another contradiction you pointed yeah. out between having the idea and the discipline to actually get on it. Yeah. You have to kind of believe that. Hey, maybe I am kind of cool. Yeah. No, I, first of all, I do believe that. Yeah. I always wake up thinking, man, I'm fucking, like the whole, you ever get that question where it's like, do you feel like you're superior to other people? I have. I always, in my, obviously I'm going to give a tactful answer, but in my head, I'm like, I'm so much cooler. Yeah. You know what's so funny? <laughs> I alternate historically between thinking I'm better and thinking I'm worse. You know, maybe in the end it even. Yeah. So not that you're <laughs> like, well, I'm just the same because I'm better and worse. But yeah, I think you do have that awareness. I just wasn't hearing. Mm. Maybe there's also reluctance to share this initially mm. because you're right. A lot of people wouldn't get it. Yeah. But again, so many contradictory pieces of what you're saying. Like you sitting between all of them. Yeah. Uh, now I'll follow a question for you. Mm -hmm. In one word, how would you describe our conversation? One word. Um, <laughs> can I... Use of term. Absolutely. Mid-max. Oh, oh my God. This was a, mi a very mid-max conversation. That. There was a point where we were talking about like 
like we were talking about like, oh my God, so like, where does all this come from? Like, what about your life made you the way you are? It gets so deep. It's, I feel like there was a lot of dynamics here. Well, how would you describe it? I'm gonna use a phrase. Yeah, yeah. Understanding you helps me understand myself more too. Mm. Because I also felt that weird tension between creativity and competition, yeah. between wanting to win, not getting too fixated, between the ideation and the discipline, between the luck and the opportunity mm -hmm. and how you feel good about that. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, seeing a lot of that in you helps you make more sense of myself. Mm. Right. And wow. even the point of why are we even talking right now? It's because we're sort of sitting in the intersection of different worlds. Yeah. I think. That's what I picked up in the very beginning when I was like, wow, like you have your shit together. It was more just stuff. You're creative, but you're also business focused. Yet mm -hmm. another dichotomy mm -hmm. of two different sides. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what lends itself to a mid-max conversation. Mm -hmm. Because I was almost like, the more I dig in with you, the more I learn about myself. And so there's almost like, let me poke in different areas mm -hmm. of your life. Because I don't know what I'm in fight. Mm -hmm. I like that. I feel like I feel the same way with like talking to you about how you run Kara, even though it's money, which historically has been very objective and straightforward and by the book, the approach you're taking is very creative and alternative, you know? Like, I always appreciated, I remember like even before meeting you, but just hearing about Kara, I think at VidCon a couple years ago, I remember thinking like, this is such a good niche. Thank like you. it's such a good target audience. Cause I think about my friends around me and like, these guys don't know what they're doing. I had a friend like who's like, I'm not going to say his name, but he's one of the biggest in his field, like multimillionaire, very young, called me and go, how do you do taxes? And I'm like, yo, and he's going to have to learn, obviously, but you being able to facilitate these resources for creators, I'm like, that's so smart. This space needed that, you know? And even though it's a company founded in finance and it's like at the end of the day you know there's a lot of creativity there yeah. there's a lot of, it's like coming up with a banger title and thumbnail but it's a line of credit for creators you know it's all about finding the overlap that's why yeah. you describe yourself trying to arbitrage or hey i'm gonna win with ribbon and top because no one else is doing that yet it resonates with me because yeah i don't just want to win i want to win my way mm -hmm. like i didn't want to just go to Wall Street and work at investment bank. Yeah. I wanted to do it through this angle instead. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Yeah, this is f***ing great. This is good. Yeah, yeah, tell me. Give me a hug. Give yeah. me a hug. Yeah, that was yeah, good. That's a banger. We got some, oh, we got some banger. Yeah, y'all.